Welcome to this episode of the Frank DiMaggio Leadership Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And if you could, share on your own social media. That would be really great. At the beginning of each one of the podcasts, I try to answer a few questions that people ask both in writing and in person. Uh, One of the questions I get quite often is, what books are you reading that are really affecting your life? And that could be uh, a question that could be kind of hard to answer in a sense, because I do read uh, a number of different kinds of books and categories. But some of the books that I read in 2019, as we move into 2020, uh, would be recommended, and these would be books that have affected me personally in some way. I find that my reading could be categorized by seasons of my life. If I'm looking at uh, a challenge or if I'm looking at some areas that I personally am going through or I find to be a challenge for leadership and ministry, then I might find books to go with that and begin reading. But here's some of the books that uh, have affected me in 2019. The Opposable Mind by Roger Martin uh, is a book that really deals with how to think better, how to think more deeply, but also how not to accept certain thinking patterns. So The Opposable Mind was one that I read with that in my need is to think better. I think every leader, uh, you're the outworking of your thinking. If your thinking is uh, routinely shallow, uh, if your thinking is uh, routinely meaning rut, uh, then you probably will lead from that and not have the kind of freshness and depth that you need as a leader. So your thinking has a lot to do with your leadership, a lot to do with your Uh, success and your fruitfulness in life. And so how you think is important. This book helped me challenge my thinking, some of my ruts, some of my shallowness, some of my limitations. Another book called The Power of the Other uh, by Dr. Henry Cloud. Uh, This book has a uh, real eye-opener on how you see yourself, how you see others, how you treat others and the power of others in your life. And it has a lot to do with the influence that you allow with people in your life and how you are an influencer and the people around you also influence you. And so you need to be very careful on the influence of your life from the uh, people you work with to the people you have intimate relationships with. I found it to be an entertaining book for me Uh, caused me to kind of look at things differently. Another book by Amy Morin uh, called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. And so this book deals exactly with that. The kind of things that mentally strong people don't do would be the kind of things that uh, have the idea that they don't give up, they they don't, uh, uh, they don't, you know, allow people to control them. Uh, If you look at the uh, 13 things that she lists out in her table of contents, she says strong people, they don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. Uh, They don't give away their power. They don't shy away from change. They don't focus on things they can't control. 
They don't worry about pleasing everyone. They don't fear taking calculated risks. They don't dwell on the past, etc. Every one of these would be uh, very, very good leadership ponderings, very good leadership uh, meditations on on each one of these as she applies them broadly. It's not a leadership book necessarily, uh, but it is to deal with every person who wants to be a stronger, better person and what you would do uh, to make yourself that better person, to kind of step up, go deeper, go higher. Uh, they don't make the same mistakes over and over. Uh, they don't resent other people's success. They don't give up after their first failure, etc. When you look at this book and you look at what she has done, uh, the amount of materials that was put into this in the research was fascinating to me. I found her stories and her application to be life-changing for me. I'm uh, also a person who reads uh, all the older books, too. I read some books like from Oral Roberts and Andrew Murray and those kind of people. Uh, I also read biographies, the one uh, on John Newton. I've read several on John Newton. The one by uh, Jonathan Aikton uh, is one of those books that I found he put all the pieces together for me with John Newton's life. And so that was uh, a life-changing, a good experience for me. Another person I like to read who always has a punch to their writing is Marshall Goldsmith. Uh, one of his books, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, uh, would be uh, that kind of book that I go back to. And uh, it's not heavy reading, but it's inspirational and it's practical, and it says things to me that I'm guilty of. It says things to me that I'm thinking uh, and shouldn't be thinking and gets me uh, to think better. Uh, what Got You Here Won't Get You There by Marshall Goldsmith is definitely a good read, and actually anything by him is a good reading. Uh, another person uh, that on the thinking aspect, Think Better by Tim Herson. H-U-R-S-O-N, uh, was another book that allowed me to really force my thinking patterns and my thinking categories and how I should be uh, disciplining myself and really how little we think about new things, how little we think about deep things. And so he really forced me to look at things differently. A uh, book that I really enjoyed was called The Welsh Revival, The Story of the Welsh Revival by Eyewitnesses. You'd have to look at it because it's multiple authors. The Welsh Revival, The Story of the Welsh Revival by Eyewitnesses. I found it to be um, a wonderful read and a book that really caused me to enter into the revival settings, atmosphere, and uh, maybe the presence of God in those meetings and what was happening. Uh, it was a fun reading and definitely inspired me toward thinking about revivals because that is an area that I like to think about. Another book, and I'll end with this one, is called Grit to Great. Uh, this is by Robin Covell. And this book, again, uh, has to do with perseverance and passion and how you have to pace yourself and keep going and it, it's exactly what the title says, From Grit to Great, and how 
you can be a greater person if you don't give up your ground and you keep moving forward. So those are some of the books that had great uh, inspiration for me in 2019. Uh, in uh, the coming podcast, I'll give you some reading that I'm going to be doing in 2020 and some ideas for articles and books and etc. that you might want to be aware of. Now, let's go back to uh, step up your passion for the Word of God. This would be session number two. If you haven't uh, listened to podcast number one, step up your passion for the Word of God, you probably should do that uh, and then listen to this podcast or listen to this and go back and listen to that. It will help you grasp what I'm trying to do with how to step up with your passion for the Word of God. Uh, every leader has to deepen their knowledge of the Word of God. Every leader, you are your own individual person. Uh, you can't live on other people's knowledge. You can't live on other people's impartation. You can't live on other people's content. You have to have it for your own. Now, you can listen to sermons. You can listen to podcasts like this. You can listen to a lot of things. But the bottom line is that you have to have some discipline in getting more scripture, more understanding, more Bible knowledge into you. That can happen by taking classes. That can happen by reading the Bible more. Uh, there's a lot available to anybody who has any kind of discipline uh, towards studying the Bible, knowing the Bible, because there's Bible colleges now online. There's classes online. There's all kinds of books that are digital you can get and you can read about the Bible. Uh, but even though all that knowledge exists, it does you no good unless you actually start with the bottom foundation stone. And that foundation stone is read the Bible yourself. You can read a lot of books about the Bible. You can listen to people preach about the Bible. You can listen to stories about the Bible. But that's really not the way you grow your own spirit and mature in the Scriptures. You have to read the Scripture yourself. Uh, one of the things that you could do is pick up a Bible reading program and read the Bible through all 66 books this year. Uh, they're slow, they're fast programs, there's all kinds of different ways to do this. Uh, but find yourself in a Bible reading program and stay with it. Why? Because there's nothing better than putting the Word of God into your mind, into your heart, into your spirit. And the more you put in there, the more the Holy Spirit has to deal with and to work with. And you will find yourself having uh, more quickening. You'll, you'll find yourself hearing the voice of God more clearly. You'll find yourself thinking about Bible scriptures and stories when you're challenged with specific things in life and leadership. So there's nothing better than reading the Bible for yourself and understanding what the scriptures teach. The Bible is in fact inspired. And 2 Timothy 3, 15, 16 speaks about this. And you would know this word. I'm sure you would know the word inspiration where Paul says all inspiration is given by God. And in scripture, that inspiration is a God-breathed inspiration. That's what the word means. And so we, I, I'm not sure where you stand, but probably you believe the Bible is an inspired book of God. And now you have to understand the word inspiration means God breathed the influence of the Spirit on the mind and soul 
of the people who actually wrote the scripture. He breathed into them divine influence so that he was able to inspire them to write the scripture according to the mind of God. It takes faith to believe in inspiration, but you cannot really uh, take the Word of God and read it like a Shakespeare or anybody else. The Word of God is different than any other book. Why? It's the only book where every word has a breath in it. Life. The very life of God is in the Word of God. And this plenary verbal inspiration that we have taught in colleges and seminaries, plenary means full, complete in every part. And so we believe that the Bible has full inspiration, complete and full in every part. You have to find your level of faith for that and how you will embrace that. I embrace the Bible as every word is inspired of God. It's written and breathed on by God. And I can take it and read it and receive the breath of God. The Bible is completely the word of God including each and every word. Now, you have to go back to the original languages and then the translations and then uh, what is gained or lost and how you deal with that. And that's where you need to study, maybe take a class on it because you need to maybe understand where you will fall on this particular view. I believe that the Bible is inspired, fully inspired, not just the redemptive story, but the redemptive words. And because of that, when I read the Bible, I drink in the words of God, and I believe these words have the breath of God in them. And those words will cause something to happen in my spirit because it's spirit to spirit. The Bible is also a dual book. It's the old and the new. It's called the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is 39 books, and the New Testament is 27 books. And so the Bible itself is built on covenant, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Testament, the New Covenant. And so the more you understand covenant and covenants, there's nine of them in the scripture, the two most important is the old and the new, and what comes under the old, the mosaic, and what comes under the new, the new covenant. And Paul refers to these in his writings, and so does Jesus you need to understand the covenants. If you've never read a book on the covenants and uh, covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, and the different covenants in the Bible from the Abrahamic, Noahic covenant, Davidic covenant, Mosaic covenant, all the different covenants of the Bible, uh, it will really enhance your reading when you understand the dispensation of the covenants and how they affected the people that were under that dispensation and why we are new covenant people and why the old covenant is still usable for us as God dealt with the people, but we're actually living under the new covenant. The Bible is also a unified book. And so when you read the Bible, you're reading 40 different authors who wrote in different cultures, different countries like Egypt and Rome and Babylon over a period of 1,600 years, and yet it's unified. The language of the Bible, it doesn't, uh, it, it never contradicts itself. It, it, it's like each writer was sitting in a different room of the house and, and then they got together and they talked and they wrote, but they were hundreds of years apart and cultures apart, and yet there's a unity 
in the scripture, which also causes great faith because of what you see from Genesis to Revelation and the themes of the Bible. And once you find a theme in the book of Genesis and you follow it through with all the different writers and you look at the symbols and, and you look at the, the language of the prophets and how this comes down to the fulfillment in Christ on the cross and the resurrection and the believer in the Holy Spirit today, it, it's just a wonderful faith-building thing when you read the Bible. The Bible is also a Christocentric book, and that is the Bible reveals Christ in every book of the Bible, every writer of the Bible. And so it says in John 5, 39, search the scriptures, this is what Jesus says, because they testify of me. And so when you look at the Bible, you can go through the persons, objects, prophecies, uh, and look at the gospels and the epistles, uh, and, you, and you put it together, you realize that Christ is in every book of the Bible. And there are certain people that actually were uh, examples of what Christ would do and what Christ would be. The, the life of Isaac or Joseph or uh, one that is not well known with a lot of people as Melchizedek, uh, but he's referred to in the book of Hebrews and also as a person in the book of Genesis. And there's something about Melchizedek that's a pre-cross manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about Melchizedek as the priest of God, the most high priest, and what he does with Abraham. And, and again, you might not appreciate that until you put Genesis and Hebrews together and you realize that Melchizedek is someone that actually exemplifies Christ, and people would go even further than that, and they would say that he's a pre-cross manifestation. What in the world does that mean, a pre-cross manifestation of Jesus? And then you have the kinsman redeemer, referred to in the book of Ruth and other places where the kinsman redeemer is, is uh, such a great picture of what Jesus is as our redeemer and how he can buy back, and he can rescue, and he gives us inheritance. And there's so much to preach and teach and talk about when you understand the persons in the Old Testament that represent Jesus. What about the objects of the Old Testament, like the rock, uh, or the scapegoat, or the manna, or the uh, serpent on the pole, or you start going through all these different examples of Christ that are referred to in the old and the new. Uh, what about the prophecies that, that uh, spell out Jesus in his birth, and his burial, his resurrection, the crucifixion? What would you do without Isaiah uh, 53 or Psalm 22? And, and so the Bible is a Christocentric book. Everything in it speaks about the redeeming power of a living God, the redeeming power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible is a structured book. And we talked about in the first podcast, 11 divisions of the Bible. It's a structured book. And you can read uh, the Bible in a structured way because it's a structured book. Uh, some people asked about the Apocrypha. Uh, that's 14 books that were added to the Old Testament by the Roman Catholic Church in 1546. If you're a Roman Catholic or Catholic background, you would have understood or maybe referred to or read at some point or heard a priest do so and talked about the Apocrypha books. There's 14 of them that are not in the 66 books of the Bible because they never made the uh, standardized canicity, the canon 
of the scriptures that allowed the 66 books to become the 66 books of the Bible. And so the Apocrypha is not on the same level as the books of the Bible, uh, even if you read them. And some of them, uh, like the Book of Enoch and some of these, uh, are I've read them, and they're very interesting, and they have good information, but they're different. They're not the same uh, level of canon and the uh, rule of canon that they use to establish the 66 books of the Bible. All right, so we are going to deepen our understanding of the Word of God by understanding that it's a different kind of book. It's inspired. It's a dual book, a unified book, a Christocentric book. It's a structured book, and I'm going to read it more, devour it more, listen to it more. I'm going to get the Word of God by revelation, inspiration, and illumination. I'm going to receive truth, respond to truth, and I'm going to perceive this truth because I'm going to get more of the Word of God in my life than anything else. We will continue in our third podcast on the uh, stepping up your passion for the Word of God. Don't miss it. It'll be coming out uh, not too long from now, and you can continue with me as we explore this particular subject on stepping up your passion for the Word of God. Thank you for listening today, and if you can please share this podcast and this social media, uh, and if you would leave a review, a rating review on iTunes, it really, really helps the podcast so that more people listen to it. I would deeply appreciate that. Until we meet again on the next podcast, may the Lord bless you and His presence be upon you. And may He keep you in your going out and your coming in. And may He protect you, your family, your ministry, and your future. And this is Frank DeMonte saying a huge God bless you. Have a great day today.